0: welcome to another wonderful episode i'm just calling it right now it's going to be a wonderful episode of the fear of god uh i know it's my favorite podcast that drops on a tuesday featuring two dudes uh uh, friends of 20 years named nathan and reed i think it might be yours too so whether it is or whether you're brand new to our show uh welcome welcome to the party we are glad you are here Um, talking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan. Typically with me is fellow co-host Reed, um, but he said something about having to um, loudly play with his rocket. I'm not totally, I'm not totally, (laughs) I'm not really sure what that means, but I hope, I hope nothing bad happens as a result of, you know, (laughs) Ups, upset play. Read. Oh, whoa! There you are, buddy. I was worried. I was-
1: Shh. <laughs> just, just hush. Just, just hush. Don't say. Don't say anything. Don't say anything about my rocket. Don't say anything okay, about my no, volume. Don't, no, don't, say, don't no, say. Don't say. Don't say. Don't no, say. No. 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 Nothing just,
0: at all. Sh- we'll be quiet. This is a. This is. You might call this a quiet place. This is a quiet
1: place. This is, place. This, is um, sh- this episode is gonna,
0: officially going to be
1: the peace of God. And this is going to be the yes, quiet place that where this we, is
0: all just, the talking we're going to do.
1: Exactly. And, and, then, we're done. and then it's going to be Shh, you know, about sh- about 80 minutes of, of quiet. Just quiet. Nothing. An opportunity for you to reflect and to think about all the good things in your life. So, uh Yes. So
0: yes. Well regardless, Reed. <laughs> you're here you're you're here. <laughs> I am and we're am. here. Thankfully. Um, we're in our we'll, we'll you know, we'll let them know we are in our soundproof bunker. Um, we did spend a lot of time working on this bunker that is true. Of this episode that is true. So that so that we'd be you know, so that we'd be safe during this very fraught time. I'm
1: currently standing culture. under a running shower. So uh, okay. so yeah. Okay. So the waterfall so, will a- actually drown right, out right, any right. potential. You
0: sound. can actually use your real voice. So before exactly, um, we tell them what we're talking about today, Reed, because <laughs> um, <laughs> they don't know. They don't know um, yet. Right, 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 right. Re- real quick, I want to do this. I want to shout out our listeners. You guys are amazing. Um, Indeed. If you are brand new, I, it it stands to reason. That it's possible, um, if if our good friend, Mr. J.R. uh loaned us any listeners last week, that maybe you're back today. Um, we're very grateful for your presence. We're very grateful for our, our, our fans who have been with us for quite a haul. Um, I am going to make an ask that if you enjoy our show, if you enjoy this show, um, we certainly enjoy producing it for you. Uh, and the... Silliness and occasional profundity that comes out of it <laughs> if you would please if you'd please consider not just leaving a rating or a review on iTunes but also um, if you'd consider subscribing to our show on iTunes it would mean a great deal to us um, ratings and reviews help when eyes are on the page um, subscribers actually help inflate it so that more eyes can get on the page it's a bit of a you know, snake-eating-its-tail sort of scenario, this technology these days. Regardless, we're glad you're here. Um, Go check out uh, and leave a rating, a review, or subscribe to us. Um, And, read before we move too far uh, past this, dude. Yeah. Last w- last week's episode, man. I can't, that conversation. I can't even. I can't even. Uh, I cannot
1: uh, thank even. Well, no, I can't. I can't. But I can't thank Jr. Forresteros enough uh, for being with us for for being willing to basically let us uh, sit on his couch for uh, you know a, a yep. good two hours because I feel like. Uh, but no, like I, 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 I've talked to him since we recorded a little bit of couples counseling. It was it was a bit. You know. It was a bit. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've talked to him since then, and he uh, and he said he very much enjoyed the conversation, and we hope that you, the listeners, did. We tremendously enjoyed uh, having him on. If you have not yet heard that episode, maybe you didn't know what Empathy for the Devil was, or you uh, didn't know exactly whether or not you should read the book beforehand, I'm going to encourage two things, three things. First of all, uh, go back, listen to the episode. It's about a a really compelling and wonderful book called Empathy for the Devil, written by J.R. Forasteros. Um, You do not have to read the book before hearing the conversation so please go back and hear that conversation it will probably make you want to read the book um and then third please read the book buy his book uh it's great it's worth it um the second was you don't have to read the book
0: before oh, listening to the okay, conversation okay. you just you notated one and three and you did not notate two and so i was a little i was a little confused that's
1: oh, I'm, I'm, okay that's all little, right okay
0: well, yeah. good i got it i got it now <laughs> i appreciate i appreciate you clarifying that oh and and you know and another bit of business before we get to other bits of business reed so you know this is episode 84 yeah um that we are that we are recording right now and that we are sharing with the people right now although it is worth mentioning if you were to go to iTunes right now uh though we are properly on episode 84 according to iTunes the total number of items in our fear of god feed is 94. That's so true. That is true. we'll sort of, you know, we'll just have a maybe two month long, maybe maybe a uh, you know quarter of a year long celebration of episodes 100 times 5 or whatever, sure. you know. We'll sure. we'll do we we'll just do the thing, really
1: over and over. Really, anything north of episode ninety is going to be counted as a hundred. So you know, because because sure. it's fuzzy, we time travel all the time, and we're we're bad at math. So it's okay; it's it's totally fine.
0: Speaking of bad at math, read. I just got to know what you watching, <laughs> what are you reading, oh, what are you listening to? <laughs> So yeah, Reed. Yeah, time time for that part of the show. It's time for that um, part of the show where we put out we put on our cardigan we put on our cardigans and slip on our loafers and talk about what we're watching, reading, and listening to. <laughs> with a pipe in hand.
1: Um, <laughs> so uh, so I just finished and I had listened to it a while ago, um, but uh, I, I found myself revisiting it because I thought the the material was really interesting. Um, there are there are two podcasts that uh, horror fans, if they or if they haven't already heard of these, may find interesting. Both of them uh, are featured sort of deep dives into uh, famous, iconic horror films. Uh, so the first season, if you will, was Inside Psycho, and the second season was Inside the Exorcist. I'm remiss to, uh, I've forgotten the podcast creator's name, which I feel really bad about, but uh, uh, basically he has done, rather than it just be a series of just talking points or just uh, exploring Uh, even just uh, an opportunity to see like a big behind-the-scenes thing. He has created, rather, a seven-episode creative drama, if you will, that basically takes you on imaginative stories about the making of those two films, imaginative conversations. Um, He does have plenty of trivial facts about Psycho and The Exorcist um, sprinkled into... They're not... uh, Each season is distinct unto itself so psycho is just about psycho and exorcist is just about the exorcist and he promises podcast listeners that he'll have another iconic horror film coming uh sometime in june but uh but I've, i i listened to so it is again. it so
0: is it is it you know when you say you you refer to seasons which implies multiple Episodes is yes. it multiple episodes based on that one movie. Type yes, of thing? yes.
1: So seven right. episodes based on uh, oh, okay, Inside okay. Psycho, seven episodes based on Inside the Exorcist, and they're done in a sort of a radio drama format, um, which which makes it for really compelling and and interesting listens. And it it merits as I just did going back and re listening to them again. So I figured some of our horror fans in the audience might uh, might enjoy checking those out they're pretty brief and it's just called inside psycho and inside the exorcist and i highly recommend them both very
0: cool did you just did you were you tipped off to those by someone or were you just browsing the old itunes looking for something to listen to so
1: i stumbled on inside psycho just by browsing itunes and then might have eventually stumbled on it myself but uh, our our friend of the show blake collier personally messaged me and was like dude the new Inside season is all about Inside the Exorcist, so you need to hop over and check that out, because he knows, as all of our listeners do at this point, how much I love that film. So, um, so yeah, that was how I stumbled across them.
0: Um, so I have been watching uh, the television show Legion, Ah, the uh, Noah Hawley-developed Dan Stevens starring Legion. Have you seen this at all? I've not no. seen one episode yet. Well, do, like, do you know anything about it other than just I know
1: that Legion? he is a, a Marvel property, right? He's a Marvel character, and indeed, that indeed, uh, yes. and that he has multiple personalities, or that there's multiple people, sort of. Sort of yeah, th- yeah. Th- that's sort part of his. Uh, I don't know if you call it power. Or
0: to what. to to answer th- to answer that too directly is to spoil elements of the show. Okay, all right, but okay. well, what's interesting is. Um, so as a as a at this point twenty five almost thirty year comic reader uh you know I'm very knowledgeable of a lot of what's out there and so this was one of those properties as occasionally happens where you're like what mm. legion what mm. it's so it's so random yeah um to to build a a, a, a major uh serialized piece of material on but Um, I should have been a bit wiser to the fact that Noah Hawley is in charge of it, who did all of the Fargo's. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. It's not all of them. I saw all three seasons. He wrote the book, I believe, called After the Fall that I referenced on here about a year ago. Oh, that's right. Um, Very, very talented guy. And so I should have been more, you know, hip to that. I did watch the pilot about four months ago and really was impressed with the pilot. It's it's a fascinating piece of work, um, but just... Didn't emotionally really plug into it, and so kind of let it lie, and didn't really bother with it again until about a week ago, and then the first season is eight episodes, and I will say this. Episodes five and seven of that season are some of the most bonkers, just jaw-droppingly impressive technical feats of television I've ever watched. And I mean, wow. they are- That's high praise. Staggeringly- inventive and creative the season ends a little more conventionally than i would have loved based on how artfully the rest of the season is but it is i gotcha for only for only eight episodes it is well worth your time i mean there are moments where you're like i don't even know what i'm watching but i'm so impressed with what i think might be happening that i'm i'm along for the ride nice um so yeah i mean i definitely i definitely recommend legion the second season has begun i have not Plugged into it personally yet, all because right. um, I've been I've been traipsing through the old MCU with my kiddos too. So oh, that's right. It's only so much time in a day. Yeah. Mikey. See, by
1: by the time this airs, most of our yep. listeners will have seen Infinity War already, probably. And at least at least one of our hosts. Yeah, at least one of our hosts. Our, our other host is probably not going to get out to the theater for maybe a week or so. So I'm going to have to avoid that's spoilers impressive. like the yeah. like the plague. But uh, they all die. That's that's what I hear. <laughs> oh, speaking Black of Pan- die,
0: Black Panther saves
1: the day. Yeah, yeah, oh, it will of course. Right. Speaking of die, so I have to mention this, um, and then uh, I want us to move on because man, I have stuff to say about today's film. So I'm extremely excited, eager, chomping at the bits, uh, rabid for the October 19th release of the new Halloween film, which I've right. been following since they announced it, and I was distressed. To, to a Uh-oh. small degree, to find out, and this is, this is always tenuous news um, when you hear this, because any number of things could happen, uh, to find out that it tested poorly. So they did a rough cut Uh-oh. to some, some audiences, and it tested poorly. I have not been able to, because uh, A, I don't really want to know very many spoilers. I've not done a deep dive into why um and i i don't really want to but i did find out cuz it was shared on a couple of websites uh that just the headline that it that it tested rather poorly um now it it, it comes out in october and it's april right now when we're recording this so the whole reason they do a test screening is to see how audiences are reacting to it and see if they need to change something or if they need to switch something up. So by the time it comes out, they might take most of the audience's suggestions and and fix that. And then notoriously, as we always uh, – well, we don't always reference this because it's a strange, very specific point to reference. But Seven, uh, which was released very much in its original form, that it was first test screened, test screened terribly because of the audience that test screened it. Because they invited people to test screening by saying like, oh, featuring – for for seven, they invited people said featuring Brad Pitt from Legends of the Fall and Morgan Freeman from Driving Miss Daisy, and then that group was like assaulted by seven. So naturally, that movie tested poorly. So I don't I don't know if it's one of that you know sort of if one of those sort of problems or if it's that there really are difficulties with the film. But I'm like, uh,
0: please, <laughs> be slow, please be good, please please be good. To read that, th- well I, I I you know I am sorry. For- to hear that for you because I know yeah. this means a lot to you. I know watching people get hacked to death by Michael Myers is a significant experience. It's usually the highlight of my Halloween. Yeah. And now yeah. it's it's spoiled. It's over. The candy's rotten. Um, There's no going back now. You know someone, someone you, you opened your bag and you are like I got a rock. <laughs> <laughs> 20 times. So, I got a rock. Yeah, so, I got a yeah. rock. <laughs> <laughs> so that has been another episode, everyone. Of what you watch and what you read and what are you listening to?
1: What you listening to?
0: You know what I love? I love that. One, we've got really engaged listeners who, you know. Have and will likely post some ratings and reviews. I love how many of those ratings and reviews reference what you watch and what you're reading. It, <laughs> uh, it makes me really, it makes me really happy that we've got a bit. We can take it on the road. It's, we can just it's do. It's true. It's the, true. The Nathan and Read What You're Watching show. Um, <laughs> it's our greatest hits is a single. Right. it would probably be just as dumb as they <laughs> normally are. Um, <laughs> today. Oh man. Oh lackey, my friend. Today. Um, today. We are discussing the John Krasinski written and directed and starring. What a! I was about to cut the Renaissance man. That guy. <laughs> oh, I was about to say something <laughs> negative about him because I'm like, man, come on, man, come she on. Share some of the Krasinski. Love. <laughs> no, it's all good. I actually really, really, really like John Krasinski. Um, but we are discussing a quiet place, rather unquietly, I might add. Indeed. Um, so. A Quiet Place I first saw the trailer for, and I thought, huh, I'll reserve judgment. That looks, you know, you know how sometimes you'll see a trailer for a movie or, or whether you see a trailer or just hear about the concept and you're like, okay, high concept. I can kind of go with that. That's gonna. That's, you know, like high concepts can be tight wires though. You know, high wires. It's true. There's tight rope, there's tight rope and there's high wire. I just combined them. I'm sorry. So <laughs> tight wires, right? Right. Tight wires or high ropes, <laughs> a high ropes course. A, a high concept can be high, Sound very uncomfortable. A, a high ropes course. <laughs> um, you know, there's a zipline, and um, those people probably could have used a zipline. <laughs> that's terrible. Oh, that's terrible. Um, so yeah, we are discussing a quiet place. I did see the trailer. It was very high concept, and I thought that looks worth a glance. And it was really fun. The weekend it came out because it was spring break here where I live and my kids were out at grandparents for the week. We were doing a bunch of work on our house and it was Friday night and my wife was like, You know, you've worked really hard and that meant a lot. Mm. She said, Do you I mean, is there like a is there like a movie you want to go to? You do you wanna go out to the movie? Oh, you know, that's, that's very that's like, sweet. Yeah, that's that's like, that's like marital gold right there. You know, um, <laughs> that's right. But I wasn't paying attention. It was probably about eight o'clock that evening, and I was like, ah, eh, it's late. And I wasn't thinking about the fact that Quiet Place had released, so I didn't really, yeah. I didn't honor the 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 offer that that evening. And probably at about ten o'clock that night, I was scrolling Twitter. And old Uncle Stevie Stephen King posts. Uh, yes, indeed. Like a single tweet about his love of a quiet place. And I was like, "Oh my God, that came out!" I forgot. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now well. I gotta go. And the next day, at about—this is just a fun story to me, so that's why I'm sharing it. At about, <laughs> at about eleven thirty, kids are out of town. Wife's given the full green light. It's a matinee, so it's cheaper. I was like, "I'm gonna go see a Quiet Place," mm. and. I pay my bucks, I go in. I have I don't know that I've ever in almost 20 years of friendship with you done this. In a theater, I texted you in the middle of the movie. It's like, true you did. Oh, that's yes, how did. energized I was watching A Quiet Place. Um sure did. I texted you and I had no you you were and I'll I'll let you tell your side of this Rashomon story. You were at your <laughs> wife you were at your wife's parents. And yes. I had no clue what your awareness, thoughts, knowledge, or plans were for A Quiet Place. But I texted you, and I don't have it in front of me right now, but it was basically like, uh, you have to go see this, like, right now. Like, Go see it you now. You need to go. Yes. Uh, because usually, you and I actually almost intentionally make a habit of not covering on the show very of-the-moment stuff. So right, it's, it's, right. it's pretty rare for us By to design. be doing what we're doing. But there there are few more proximal experiences of us watching movies together than us watching a movie 300 miles apart at the same on the same day the same movie right you know it's true, it's, it's true. it was the almost it was that- almost like watching it together
1: <laughs> almost almost because the last time that happened was mother. But that was a plan like we planned to right. and mother had already been released. Right. It was a, it, re- it was released to uh, video on demand. Right. And so uh, so we were like, OK, well, we're in the same state. Uh, let's watch this movie and we'll talk about it. And so we did that. But this was a, such a rare instance, because if you remember, I texted you back when you said, hey, you need to go see a quiet place like today. And when I texted you back, I said, I already have
0: tickets for a <laughs> showing in like an hour. So, uh, so yeah, it was, was great. It was really, really great. Um, well, I, I, for me yeah. personally, and as a, a final button, and then you can talk about yours, like, I want to say I laughed. I can't remember if there's actually any comedic bits in the movie, but I mean, I cried. I like I cried. And Mm. I was exultant. Uh, It was a very, uh, Matt Murray made fun of me for describing my experience. He was like, you experience a lot of movies like that. I was like, well, no, not, (laughs) I get what you're saying. I'm a drama queen, but (laughs) no, this was different. Um, So no, it was very, a very visceral experience. We'll get into the details of the movie, but yes, that was my, I I haven't been able to get back, but I, I actually really would like to get back to a quiet place.
1: Oh, I would love to see it again. Um, I wanted to prior to our recording and timing just didn't quite work out for it. But uh, but oh, man, I want to see it again so bad. This was a really special film. I can remember seeing films that I've thought that was great. And that was really um, it's the kind of thing that comes along so rarely where it pushes all the buttons because this is an this is an immensely popular film. I know so many people who are, who are self-professed, like, not very big, avid horror fans who have seen this film and love it. It also seems to be pleasing all the horror fans. Um, sure. It's pleasing all the critics. Like, this is one of those really special, rare films where it's this great cohesion of theme and story and genre and timing and just, concept, just everything about yeah. it. Concept, yes, everything. Everything about it works so exceptionally well, and uh, and yeah, I, I did. I was so so thrilled to be able to see it in the theater, and uh, did yeah, you, I mean, did, you, I,
0: did your wife appreciate it? Uh, she
1: didn't go to see it with me. This oh, was uh, oh, I oh, went. Oh. I went to see it. Uh, whenever I go up north, just in case they listen to this, my my buddies Ken and Kyle, uh, we we kind of have a little guys thing. Whenever I go up north and we've got a free afternoon, uh, we like to go see a scary movie because none of our significant others like to go see scary movies. So, um, well,
0: so Ken, we, Ken and Kyle, be sure uh, when you hear this episode to go rate or review us and to subscribe to the <laughs> <or> God podcast. <laughs> 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 Suddenly, that Nathan has become an absolute shill <laughs> for his own show. A, I know. <laughs> Oh, I know,
1: suddenly you're our marketing department. Yeah, You're yeah, our yeah. marketing department. Like, you know, the Excuse me, now it's a
0: uh, time for another word from our sponsor. <laughs> and this it's week, you this week's saying sep- it real time. This week's time. episode brought to you by A Quiet Place. <laughs> <laughs> Distributed I by wish. Paramount Pictures.
1: Oh, I don't, I don't really. Boy, know. I wish it was brought. To, I wish it was brought to us by Quiet Place, because on that, I mean, the budget was like seventeen million dollars. Which, of course, I don't have seventeen million dollars. <laughs> but there you go. I remember, and, and this is why I'm so happy about this and its success is is it was tracking, leading up to opening weekend, it was tracking at, at uh, tracking uh for cinephiles who may not uh know what i'm referring to is basically that it's a predictor based on buzz social media buzz word of mouth buzz um advertising you know footprint how much do they think it will do and it was tracking in the week prior to opening weekend was tracking at about 20 million uh i think the wednesday or thursday before it released they were saying, no, we think it actually might make as much as $60 million. As of this recording, it has gone north of $200 million. Oh, wow. So it, wow. Is, yes, it is It is a bona fide hit, um, and I couldn't be happier for John Krasinski. I, know, I don't think you have, as of yet, watched The American Office, but I loved him on The American Office, and, uh, which is just called The Office, but I'm you know distinguishing it from the British version. Because um, uh, America is de- better at everything. Wow. Yes, we win. Um, So (laughs) he had uh, he had he had directed two films prior to this, one of which I saw. I saw his directorial debut, which is called Brief Interviews with Hideous Men. Um, And it's a drama. It's like an independent drama. And it is it is um, disjointed. It's a bit um, it's a bit clunky. Um, I have not seen his second film. Uh, which is called Meet the Hollers and is supposedly, I guess, an independent comedy. But I don't, I don't know uh, precisely what that film is. But from what I understand, it is also regarded in a similar vein, where it's somewhat clunky. So when I saw the trailer, I was like, really excited by the trailer, really excited by the concept. But and I, and I love John Krasinski, and and I'm like, you know, I've got a lot of goodwill for him for him as a performer, but. I knew that his initial directorial works had not been terribly well received. um, So was sizably appreciative and just uh, elated to see how effective and phenomenal this film is. I have so much praise to heap on this film. Uh, Listeners uh, and co-host may have to like bring me down because I have just I have just so much praise to heap upon this film. I loved it so, so very much. Um, And I'm so happy for. Well,
0: and, and, you know, it's it's. Uh, Krasinski deserves much credit, but let's not, um, uh, give others, you know, pass more around. I mean, Emily Blunt is amazing. Um, I've, I've enjoyed her for a number of years. Um, so she's great. Those young performers are really strong. Um, it has that. Yeah, it's wonderful. I think one of the things that's really just special about it, I think you used that word a minute ago and I would, I would definitely echo that, that is, it's almost got this, Amblin Spielbergish kind of feel, hmm. but doesn't feel nostalgic. If that makes sense, yeah. Like it's got yeah, no, those kind of touchstones, yeah. those those kind of touch points. But like, from my understanding, Jurassic Park was a bit of an inspiration for him and some of the scenes. And in fact, apparently yes. the silo scene when the kids are at the mercy of the alien creature was was meant to be a direct sort of homage to the raptor sequence towards the end right, of Jurassic right. Park and stuff like that so you know I, I can just see a lot of that there it, it I think what I was trying to say a minute ago in terms of its specialness it feels edgy enough as a thriller to really be genuinely thrilling but not so either horrific or genuinely frightening and scary that you're turned off by it by the you know the general audience you know Uh, yeah yeah sure really hit a very sweet spot in that regard although (laughs) i've already referenced him once in this uh uh, long-time listener matt murray he he took his wife to see it and said she almost had a nervous breakdown during it so (laughs) oh my gosh well
1: there's some scenes there's some scenes that are just relentless i mean they're just absolutely terrifying and so you so a couple of things just in quick succession um yeah. you praised the uh, the performers, so a couple i mean, maybe consider these trivial bits if you want to the um a couple of things that I found out so first of all. I have to give a shout out to uh, one of our listeners, uh, Hillary. Uh, you are not forgotten. She is going to. She is probably going to claim Hillary's a coworker of mine, and she is probably going to claim uh, credit for us doing an episode. But I, I, I told her already
0: that I we I long we had long decided to do this episode before she. It was all. It was all today. you, Hillary. It's all you. Yeah. And um, um, go <laughs> go leave a rating or a review, and um, you know. <laughs> she subscribe. already has.
1: Okay, she great. Already Thank Stop. you, Hillary. Stop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Now's the point at which I have to calm all you right. down. I know, I'm going to throw kidding. a wet was- blanket. That was meant to, that that one was meant to be a silly so as was the it, new, it was the, a silly. The, the, the buddies one too I just being
1: <laughs> I made a silly I made a silly um, okay so um, <laughs> but the reason the reason I'm referencing her right now is because uh, she does sign language she she knows it mm-hmm. and she occasionally interprets at certain events and and um. Uh, Millicent, the actor who plays the deaf daughter, sure. she is uh, genuinely deaf right. in real life right. um, and brought a verisimilitude to the entire proceedings regarding their sign language, not only in the accuracy of their uh, inflection, but also in the specificity of it because some people may not think about the fact that, as in all language and dialects, when people sign, they have a kind of uh, visual dialect to how they to how they sign to how they make the words, the formation the the way they move their hands, how quick, how slow, everything to that, and um, uh, each of them kind of have their own distinct sign language. Dialect, if you will. I'm not sure if I'm using the right word, and Hillary will probably, you know, razz me about it. But the, the other thing that, uh, that I found really impressive in general is so Krasinski, I don't know why or if he didn't do this for his previous works or whatever. He supposedly, if trivial bits are to be believed, he did a ton of research on recent horror films like Get Out, The Witch. Like you mentioned, Jurassic Park, some of his personal favorites. He watched these films and took detailed notes about when he got tense and why he got tense. So when he was revising the screenplay, was thinking specifically about some of those things when he was revisiting. Because the script was originally crafted by two of the credited writers, Brian Woods and Scott Beck. And both of them had conceived sort of the skeletal elements of the story. But when Krasinski got it, which I believe he he just had acquired as a potential starring vehicle, and so then he you know he and uh, very specifically Emily Blunt were like I think I think this is a story I need to direct, and Emily Blunt was like, if you direct it, can I please play the wife? Can I please do that? And so then everything just sort of came together and culminated in in the finished product that we got. But I appreciated so much. And you can see it in the film that there was clearly a lot of attention to the the functioning workings of how to create a solid suspense film. Sure. That there's a lot of good craft, uh, craftsmanship happening in this film and i don't know if that's just a credit to his particular research this time around or some innate skills or if it's built into the concept which i do think is an element of it or the narrative beats of the script i think it just all works together but i appreciated that so much care and attention went into it and i think that translates on the screen i think you see the end result of exactly how deliberate and intentional uh the filmmaking process was so yeah well
0: in the in the spirit in the spirit of that if we can um this It feels like this particular film. I don't know if it's just because it is really more, it's uh, deep, but it's more popcorn in in design. Um, You know, I'm I'm kind of compelled to let's do our traditional kind of likes, dislikes, scares sort of thing. We can sort of blend that categorically together, but, you know, just a more pedantic look at some of the surface elements that we really appreciated, um, if that's okay with you. Um, Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, let's go. I will say, dude, I was. Simply because all I'd seen was that initial trailer, and the trailer does a great job of establishing mood, but not being very uh, spoilery. You you don't really know oh, much. Yeah. Um, and in fact, you get the impression, at least from this initial trailer, and I don't remember subsequent ones, you get the impression that they're going to play with vocal, you know, with, with lessened vocals, but the trailer doesn't really tell you. Hey, there's 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 not really dialogue in this movie. You know what I mean? So that was kind of fun right. yeah, to, yeah, no, exactly. That was kind of fun to actually have that rolling experience of like, oh, sure. this is this is awesome. This is really cool. Oh yeah, I love that oh, they're yeah. kind of committing to this. But uh, all of that said, <laughs> I was utterly unprepared for the loss of the son in the as in the teaser. And uh yeah. And, yeah. and to the point that I was like Oh no, this is mm-hmm. not a good feeling I'm having. Yes. You know, and, yes and it's and not just that, but that to your point about his directorial execution, that scene mm. is Mm-mm. fantastic. I mean yeah. the the way the so scene affecting. itself plays with sound and the daughter's inability to hear what's happening behind her, but you're Oh my god. The way they hold that card, do you remember? The way are oh, yes. you're, you're like you know, everyone's walking on the little bridge or what have you, and you 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 do a little close up, a little a little close shot of each family member, mm. and then it cuts to her facially straight on, and you see him in the background, and you yes. just, and you know, and oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh, and then it cuts to her seeing Krasinski run just full yes. bore. Oh mm. my gosh, that was, I mean, just riveting and and terrifying and and heartbreaking all in one. Yeah. One minute. Sequence. Oh,
1: and oh, and and devastating. I mean, like that was one thing where I, I've said on this show before that I'm I'm somewhat protective about um, what you know films I invite my wife to see. Sure, sure. And uh, and I remember sitting there thinking in the theater, like in the first ten minutes, I'm like, okay, maybe not, <laughs> maybe right, not this one. Right. Uh, which is a real shame because it's a powerful film. But I mean, like that's it's so devastating because you think. You're kind of propped up to think like, okay, he's got, he's going to get him. This is going to set up, you know, the threat or whatever. But he's going to get it. The the fact that he doesn't make it, the fact that, that and and when he the way the shot is framed, you see Krasinski running. Yes. Then you and you see the boy, his son, right. in the foreground, and then whatever it is, we don't know at that point, catches him, and then it's just a a quick. It probably happens in about a second and a half. When he catches him, and when he drags him out of frame, just like a very quick, you know, almost a jump scare, clutches him out of frame, you see Krasinski, like, put on the brakes with his legs, you know, like, like, you see him just sort of, like, stop, and in that brief moment, and, of course, then it cuts to the title card, but it's like, so much is conveyed just in that one particular moment, right? because any other scenario... The dad is going to be like, give me back my son. And he's going to run after right, the thing right. and try to fight him, it's you know, a, but the total but loss. just, yeah, exactly. But the fact that he just breaks and it's just, oh, there's so much devastation just in that one moment. Cause it's like, okay, well the, the, it's done. It's right. over. Yeah. And, uh, oh my gosh, it is so heartbreaking and, and devastating. It's funny. Did you notice? Well, just real quick. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, when in the scene, when they're in the grocery store,
0: uh-huh. the potato chips.
1: Oh my goodness, what a great <laughs> yeah. touch. What a yeah. great touch that all the food is gone, but the bags of potato chips are still there because they would be incredibly noisy. I right. was like, man, that's fantastic. That's a great touch. Uh, really, well, great did touch. you know,
0: this This is actually not what I was about to say a second ago, I could be totally wrong on this, but it makes sense. I saw a little blip, you know, social media being what it is, we scan more than we read, which is a terrible state of, culture and society but that's a whole other conversation yeah. um i think initial versions of this film were set in the cloverfield setting
1: i've heard the same thing okay, no i've okay. heard the exact same it makes thing. sense and, and i kind of dig it yeah yeah um, the only thing the only thing that i would kick against it two things um oh i'm sorry i'll make this brief <laughs> first is it does sort of jack up the continuity of the Cloverfield world because that doesn't exist for any of the other films, um, like the whole, like, you sure, have to sure, be silent, sure. you know? So there's that. Second thing is, I'm I'm almost at a state right now. Listeners know my affection for Netflix's release of Cloverfield Paradox, even though Cloverfield Paradox is not necessarily a film quality enough to deserve that level of, uh, of awesomeness, but it was a really awesome thing that Netflix did releasing it. But I'm kind of resistant now at this point to every foreign thing being in the cloverfield universe it's like part sure of me thinks yeah, it's yeah. cool but then i'm like okay guys like everything doesn't have right, to be in the right. Cloverfield <laughs> universe you
0: know and that's i like mean where is of... the Cloverfield? i mean is this just this <laughs> thing out there like is it a person is it the monster Do they come from the planet called cloverfield i just don't know it's a field of clovers
1: yes exactly four leaf so basically the uh the other thing is like we've talked about with the babadook with the witch with several other things this is one of those rare horror films that i don't want to see a sequel right yes i don't totally i don't want to see anything more i don't want it to be connected to anything else i want it to be this beautiful wonderful horrific little fable and and you know quasi inspiring and we'll get to all of that i love that it is just a thing unto itself and i really in my you know heart of hearts really just want it to stay that way because i think it's really special i'm I'm, I'm totally with you
0: and all i was going to say earlier is um and man i wish we had had this conversation four weeks ago three weeks ago um just because the energy (laughs) was so much uh fresher but um you were talking about your wife seeing or not seeing the movie and I got so activated by my solo outing uh of viewing it that I was like man I would this is the kind of movie that's just again it's just edgy enough that I think she would like it but I but I so I didn't spoil the whole movie but I definitely told her I was like, you know, this may turn you off, but I want but I'm going to uh, tell you. In 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 a world where you do see this movie, you'll be mad at me if I did not tell you about that opening sure, scene. Sure, sure. Cuz yeah, 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 I mean yeah, that's yeah. that that starts us off on such a the stakes are suddenly through the roof. You know. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh my gosh. Well, and
1: and speaking speaking of those stakes and this is the other reason why I don't know if I will ever ask my wife To watch this film is because those stakes, being what they are, and they are powerful. The fact that we lose that first child uh, in the opening scene makes the scene where she is there alone with the baby. Oh my god! I, I, we're all trying in the theater to be as quiet as (laughs) human possible (laughs) because that's that's which which by the way, before I make my other point, like it was phenomenal. Yes. To be in a theater where the concept of the film eked off the screen yep, and eked yep, into yep. the into the theater cuz we're all palpably like not moving, being careful with our candy and with our popcorn and we're like we're all trying very hard not to make noises like and ever and uh, everybody's like, you know, please god, nobody cough and nobody fart cuz like this is going to be just <laughs> like terrible. So, but um yeah, the the stake raiser of that opening moment and then when she's alone underground and that creature has gotten in with the baby, I was, I was on the edge of my seat literally, but I was whispering over and over again, God, please. No, please. No, please. No, because it looks like, it looks well, like as your the thing's
0: gone, remember, like you're, we're, I, I love this movie. I, I really, I, <laughs> I, it is 10 PM on Eastern standard time. And when we get down this conversation, if I could, I would watch it. Um, no that's how, how I am. Um, that scene is so strong. And and two, two, two things, um, as my seven-year-old, uh, two things, two questions. <laughs> she always does things in twos. Um, number two. Um, and um, <laughs> see, that was an appropriate appropriate use of that bit. Is
1: there ever one, though? You know what's is really funny?
0: One? As a very mild asterisk here, about two episodes ago, you called me out on how I number two everything. You're like, I you sure do did. that all the yeah. time. You know what's really funny about that is... Maybe like the next day after we recorded, I was listening to the one recording immediately prior, and I did it, and I was like, it, Lackey's got I am my right. Lackey's I am correct. got my number, and it's a two, and I've got a terrible <laughs> memory, and oh my God, what is wrong with me? I go to the same, so w- same Austin Powers 1997 well over and over again. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, <laughs> I digress. Um, so... I I have loved a couple of these movie-going experiences recently. Black Panther had such an amazing theater-going experience with that movie. Then this, oh, yeah. similarly, like you described, I mean, the whole... And it wasn't a huge crowd. Like I said, it was middle of the day on a Saturday. But it was a decent crowd, and we were all just utterly engrossed. Um, oh, yeah. And that scene that you're describing in the bunker when the water has mm. flooded because if you recall I think the sequence is she's you know we're we're kind of now down there with her and her pov and you see the little cradle resting on the surface of the water well then the creature the creature moves in the corner and revealing itself then there's this slow descent under the water and I, I remember being like Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God. Uh, It's so scary. What's going to happen to the little baby? Oh, my Um, gosh. So, yes, that scene is amazing. Uh, And actually, what I wrote down is swimming alien reveal in Basement with Baby. Um, The old man in the woods. The old man in the woods. Oh, my goodness. Well, And that was,
1: yeah, that was intense. and, And, again, just talking about, like, you know, Krasinski's out there with his child. Yep and they're just doing the best they can to stay quiet to stay calm. And then in a world like this it, it it says so much and we you know we can dive more into this if we want to in themes but it says so much it's like okay well I've lost my wife we would presume that that, that old man that that's right, his wife. Right it's like I've lost my wife and that shot where the old man is looking up at him and then Krasinski is begging him. Yeah. Like yeah. He's begging him with his eyes, with everything. He's got his finger up to his mouth like please, please don't say anything. uh, Don't make a noise. Don't make a sound. And then the guy is just like screw you screw it all screw yep. me screw yep. everything and then just howls just screams and uh it is oh man it is nerve-wracking and it's and it has a lot to say about the power of sort of devastating and and these you know we talk about these sort of apocalyptic situations into the world kind of things but and again this is this is really skirting up to the edge of theme but we talk about these apocalyptic sort of scenarios but There are cases, and we learned this from The Leftovers and all the situations with The Leftovers, where it's like, apocalypse doesn't have to be global. I mean, Leftovers was global, but apocalypse can very much be a private, personal thing, Right? where it's like, oh, yeah, your world itself has just imploded and fallen apart. And now what do you have left? What is what is there? And and what happens next? What do you do next? And so a quiet place, I think, skirts up to those kinds of conversations of like, for instance, with the Abbott family, they specifically they lost this child. They lost this youngest child. And uh, one of my buddies that I was sitting with leaned over and whispered very carefully because we whisper very carefully in a quiet place. Um, But he leaned over and said and asked a very legitimate question like, why would you bring a baby into this world why would you why would you do that and and i thought and this is one of the reasons why i became so emotionally invested into that is because i thought like dang just it just that simple little touch like in in a world where you must be silent and quiet at all costs you're going to bring a baby who everybody automatically knows like baby doesn't know any better, and is just going to cry. Right. It's just going to cry. And scream. Just, and scream, and just make noises, and just laugh. Like, why would you do that? And I found it, I don't even have words in this moment to wrap around it, maybe I will before episodes end, but I found it profound to, to just the fact that this, this couple is choosing sure, to sure. bring a baby into this world because if there was ever a scenario where you don't do that, in which yeah. yes, in which you would say like, "Oh no, this is not the place to bring a baby into this world." Um, it would be one where like you must be silent at all costs, and that that well, racked me, Nathan.
0: It was really incredible. I really want to come back to that idea because you're in- introducing some solid theme to that that I think subconsciously I'd picked up on, but that and and the imagery. This, uh, this is another moment where my wife would be quite on edge. Again, it's not as harrowing as the loss of the son at the front, but the imagery of them putting that little gas mask on that little baby oh, and putting the, the the cover on the sleeve, you know, like this juxtaposition of fragility and brutality. Yes, well, let's let's pin that for just a moment. Um, cause, sure, sure. Um, I mean, I read lackey, read lackey. Can I just say, I don't know that there have been... It might be a top five of the last five years moments in a movie of the confluence of sequences that resulted in this, the the three minutes of Emily Blunt giving birth with the alien oh. in the hallway and the other son setting off the rockets. I oh my god! Had you been next to me with and I had the moral fortitude of. A uh, 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 non-judgmental peer next to me. I would have stood up out of my seat and cheered in a quiet place at that moment. Yes. I was so. Yes. I mean, I felt like someone had lit a rocket under my seat. I wanted oh to my just gosh. leap and cheer because they've just they've established their willingness to kind of go dark with that ultimate with that yes. opening scene. Yes. So you really don't know. I mean, like I I've got pretty decent. Faith that the movie's not gonna mm-hmm. off the pregnant mom while she's giving birth in the tub because that'd be really jacked up. But, but I didn't know. I just don't know, and I don't mm-hmm. know how they're getting out. And Krasinski's kind of lost in the woods at that particular moment. And then the 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 sun sets off those fireworks. Oh my gosh. goodness, that was such an exhilarating moment. Um, oh, and it it's powerful. And, and what a, what an amazing experience. Like, you know, referencing something like a Jurassic Park, which came out in '97. No. No, 94 Um, when we were like 15 years old (laughs) and what that did to us as teenagers and how riveting that was and how much those sort of imagery stays with you. What a glorious feeling as an adult moviegoer to be that plugged in and enraptured in what's happening. You know what I mean? So uncynically that they pull off that kind of Rube Goldberg sequencing and editing and sound design to pull off that moment. My gosh, it was glorious. Oh, it was phenomenal. And I heard uh, that What'd you hear uh, in the quiet this is, place? <laughs> this is
1: now probably a, a, a colloquial story, not an apocryphal one, that uh basically the um that was done, that whole entire sequence for for Emily Blunt's part was done in one take. I did and that, that for her and shot, that as yeah. soon as the as soon as the take was over she dropped character and was just like so what's for lunch right yeah, <laughs> like, I did, like I that was just that, that was just an actor being <laughs> right, an actor. Right, right. but uh but yeah that whole that whole sequence the i mean everything about the film builds so effectively onto itself i don't feel like there is a singular wasted element the the uh the hearing aid the whole fact that their daughter is deaf and that the father has been lovingly and painstakingly uh, experimenting with hearing aids to try to get some sound into his daughter's ear uh, and and you know she gives it he gives it to her and she's like this won't work and and I wondered at that moment I was like well you know I, obviously something's going to play out here but probably more on a character perspective and it turns out <laughs> it's character and narrative right, right. That, that that all you know gets paid off um, but I just feel like there's so many wonderful things like when she's dragging the laundry up the stairs oh, and then she the nail? and she upends oh that nail gosh. and we're all sitting there like somebody's stepping on that nail and sweet that lord was and
0: then terrible
1: little did i know that it would be her stepping on the nail after she, her water broke oh and now, so that, that entire scene like you want to talk i don't know if it's possible for stakes in a movie to be more severe then that right. for stakes in a movie to be like, okay, in, in a world where you cannot make a sound, this woman is about to give birth and she has just stepped on a nail. Like the amount of pain going through her right there at that moment is just unimaginable and she can't make a sound for her own life's sake. It's just, oh, it's, I, I, yeah, the stakes in that film were just unbelievable.
0: Well, and if we if we can, so so we're raving, we're raving. I, I do want to bridge us to theme. So, uh, um in, in a in an emotional sense, I'm kind of a, a pumpkins all fives on this one. Uh, there are a couple of little beats that Shut I think they're would, not.
1: Don't say anything bad I about am. this film. I'm just well, I'm teasing. No, I know, you. I know. I, know.
0: I knew because you've heard this, but I want us to tease it out a little bit for the people. Um, these, these bullet points that I think would take my pumpkin hyperbolic fives to, to actual sixes. Two things. One, more technical. One, a bit more narrative and emotional. So, the movie is so perfectly wound as a machine. You know, yes. all the pieces are clicking and well-oiled, and the threat is well-established, the conceit is high, the concept is, is taught, uh, the characters are real. You know, you could make, if you really wanted to quibble, a little bit of a, a ding on the sort of relative plausibility of just how perfectly they've pulled off some of their systems, but whatever, I don't really care about mm. that because I was just so bought in. I was so, like not knowing where the movie was going to go and yeah. not knowing we were going to get that magnificent scene. And I use that word for all its its power in the bunker between Emily and John's, their verbal scene. Um, oh my gosh. Not knowing that was coming, I didn't anticipate this bothering me until I got to that scene. I, I'm not a fan of... Mm. I'm a perfectly fine fan of what gets communicated. I'm not a fan of the verbalization that happens between the father and the son at the waterfall only because for a movie called a quiet place and for a technical execution that eliminates all vocalizations, inclusive of speech, except for two moments or two scenes, those sequences have to land hard. Yeah, and one, yeah, and one lands exceptionally hard and well and strong and potently and formidably. And the other one lands fine and slightly dilutes the scale a little bit for the other, if that makes any sense mm-hmm. whatsoever.
1: No, it does. And I don't even think I really disagree with that. I, uh, the The rumor mill is that the original script Had And I don't know what the line was. But the rumor mill is that the original spec script had only one line of dialogue, uh, spoken dialogue in the entire film. And there is a, 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 a other world scenario in which I would love a version of A Quiet Place where the only spoken line of dialogue at all is when they look into the cradle and say, it's a boy. Yeah. That is the that there is an other world scenario in which if that were the only line of spoken dialogue in the film, I would love it all the more. I don't I don't disagree with what you're saying. It just didn't it didn't really dilute it for me, but to your point, I do think that it would have been significant if every other thing right. had uh, had been communicated by sign language. Well, and, and it just, just feels like a an... scene between the two of
0: them. Yeah, and it feels it just I guess it just feels like such an odd And maybe a rewatch will yield a a greater depth of appreciation for the scene between the father and the son in terms of their verbalizing to each other. I just don't know that there's enough there for it to be as valuable as it would be in a movie called A Quiet Place for them to talk based on how strong that bunker bunker scene is between the two of them. So I don't know, sort of like what you're saying, I just wish... Again, I loved the movie. I loved the experience of watching the movie. Um, Sure. Yeah. I I sort of wish they just sort of pulled the punch there a little bit more and just not had them talk, you know, the father and the son there. Um, Right. And and you and I texted back and forth about your, you know, citing that uh, that you read about the rumor of what might have been the only line of dialogue like that. I love the dialogue we get in that scene yes. oh, yeah. between oh, yeah, John absolutely. and Emily, I do think your version that you read is, if they followed the emotional heartbeat of what the movie does actually, you know, like in that scene, yeah, sure. if you right, could have, right. if you, if they had found a way to pull that off emotionally with just those lines, my goodness, that would have been just insane. Um, that would have been staggering. Yeah. My other, my other big, obstacle um and we can uh, address it and then you know move on to to thematic stuff because it does kind of bridge that gap um the blunt version <laughs> blunt, <laughs> emily blunt um I, I get it yeah sure um the straightforward version is i just i i didn't like krasinski dying i i felt like hmm the the second it happened not knowing what the movie was going to be about and not or rather not knowing what i was actually going to get from the movie and being so engrossed and so enthralled and so energized and so heartbroken and and so on the edge of my seat it was the possibly the only moment in the movie where i was like ah, oh that feels like a misstep i don't know exactly Mm-mm. what to feel totally while you're watching it you know but it sure, feels like sure. it feels like a struggle to get behind um and i think the more i've pondered it Again, I I love what we get in the final product, but to me, and this is the Nathan Rouse 2018, spring of 2018, coming to this movie with the thoughts, feelings, views on the world I have, things that I hold as valuable, and, and, and what I kind of want to see more of in film. The movie feels like a story. And your theme that you just brought up a minute ago, this is why this is a perfect bridge of theme, your theme you brought up just a minute ago even more richly conveys this. It feels like how, and it, it feels like a question, it feels like it's asking a question, why should you have hope in the middle of an apocalypse? Mm. And the expression of that hope in this story, at least how I interpreted it, was a family's Attempt to thrive with an apocal with with a with a literal ap- destructive apocalypse outside, and an and a figurative but no less monumental apocalypse of it, th- within their four walls, and that being the loss of this child so tragically. And so, to me, right, the movie is right. the movie is about the family. And maybe it's maybe it's me as a dad, and in the way that uh, some people of a different maybe a different demographic demographic may key in on um, you know how the so and so was represented or portrayed or the actions that they performed in a given piece of media. Maybe it was just me keying in on this, but I just I felt like it was an unnecessary plot point in a movie that feels incredibly tightly wound and and well executed that I think, and you and I, you know, for, for listeners who want this information, I, I like, I even hypothesized a version where this could play out very similarly to how the movie concludes with him surviving that attack. But I just think the movie's heartbeat is how does, how does this family move forward? And I think I think that idea and that question is asked by the removal and the taking away of their son. And I and so so that's that's all the loss I need as a viewer to understand for this family. And so then when you remove the father it it, it just yeah it felt unnecessary to me in terms of the 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 significance it has on the remainder of the narrative and the importance to those characters. But that, you know, again, I know that... I know that I had a hard time convincing you of that idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, well, I think that the the biggest thing for me is... And and when you and I chatted about it briefly, uh, for me, it didn't bother me at all. And I would understand if someone were to ding it for conventionality. I mean, I do recognize you know even even in a moment when it happens when so many other wonderful things are happening um I, I would not knock any listener who was like well of course the dad's gonna die of course the dad dies you know like it's that that is a very familiar plot beat um and, I, you know, again, in an other world movie where he is merely wounded and incapacitated um, so that we still get the final ending that we sure. get, because holy yeah. cow, that yeah. final Great. shot, that final shot is just phenomenal. Um, so in another world scenario where we where he gets to potentially survive uh, being severely wounded but incapacitated so that we still have that final shot. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm OK with that, but it didn't bother me, um, particularly because of. What he says to her in you know right before sure. yeah, right yeah, before yeah. he goes you know like the I think the emotional beat of the of the moment is right uh, which by the way supposedly the original script I'm just a wealth of trivial bits on this one I didn't even realize I knew this much
0: um, you're you're kind of uh, a wealth of trivial bits just generally in life and that that is true yeah. it
1: is true um, but uh, supposedly the original script even Krasinski's version simply had the dad saying I love you and that was it uh millicent the the um i need to look up her last name i know her first name is millicent but the the deaf daughter uh the actress is give me one moment and i'll have it the actress is millicent simmons um she suggested to krasinski that he say to her not only i love you i have always loved you and that is the line i think that Yanked the tears from my eyeballs and really got me for that. Is that is that whole? I have always loved you because of the significance for that character to say that to that to his daughter at that moment. And and there is something to this notion of going out with a primal scream, sure, kind of thing. You know, I think there's something there to be scratched about. Like I'm, you know, I'm going to go down fighting as it were um even though I know i'm gonna lose <laughs> but i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, get something from this moment and I'm gonna save my children um I do think that there is there's something to that but no i mean I, I'm not gonna kick back too hard against against some of what you're suggesting well and i
0: I think I totally understand and i and I can assign value and or see value in the execution as it is you know the, what we actually do get for me personally and again I, I, I can recognize I'm bringing a lot to what I sort of wanted based on what began establishing itself in the film and how I interpreted it it just felt like this is a really random incorporation to make here but I was just in the Disney store the other day so this property is on my brain it's kind of like the, the you, you reference the final beat of Emily Blunt on screen you know going full Ripley uh, or full Linda Hamilton, oh, you know, Terminator, uh, so which great. is just it's so, so fantastic. And I, I think I, I just missed the Krasinski character being present for that moment in the way that like, again, this is totally random and I get it. Imagine like the end of The Incredibles and The Underminer showing up and we're kind of energ- energized by the emotionality of the family finally having uni- a, a unified front against the threat. And, and like yeah, Mr. Course, Mr. Incredible died, but Mr. Incredible died ten minutes ago, and you're like, "Well, yes, but you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's like I understand, but
1: I think this, I think I had said this to you, and and I really do want to get to themes, yeah, so I don't yeah, want to yeah, camp yeah. out
0: here too long. But on my on my stupid I, point, is that what you're saying?
1: Well, no, I'm not going to call <laughs> your point stupid. Um, but the uh, but the the I do think that again in this other world version, I don't know how krasinski surviving impacts dilutes or affects like you talked about pulling the punch with the you know the the talking scene earlier and that kind of dilutes the power and potency of the scene that he has dialogue with with emily blunt um i don't know i don't know the answer to this question but one of my speculations is i wonder how his surviving dilutes moments like Emily Blunt's Linda Hamilton moment, uh, the discovery of the hearing aids down there, and the discovery of how much time and effort he's put into, uh, you know, investing into his daughter's hearing and well, and I, all, of, no, all of those no, kinds of things. Yes, I, I th- don't know I how think, it affects. I think that. those are
0: legitimate question marks that I, I could, I, I would happily address. Uh, one of uh, only <laughs> only one of them, though, because I've done some of them off pod already. But only one of them is to me. Well, I would reverse the question and say, what is gained? narratively by his loss right there that that might not be able to be accomplished in some different fashion but how much this is just purely hypothesis of course at this point to me there's something pretty you've got uh, an already singular moment perhaps made even more pardon the word badass and blunt's final moment if she is now uh, if, if Krasinski's, you know, wounded and huddled that you, you're subverting the type by now she is the heroic protector of, of the children and the, the, yeah, but yeah. again, again, that's purely just off the cuff. Anyway, that, that, those are purely just sort of thoughts I had about thing, <laughs> thing things I might, you know, adjust if it were me. But again, I sure, love, I love sure. the movie. Um, I just, I just didn't think the dad had to die. Um, sure. Let's let's you just,
1: you just wanted him to be around. I did. I know. I did. Dead dead. You know, I don't I don't
0: it's the deadbeat dead. You know, he's literally dead. I miss him, too. Um, yeah, 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 no, yeah. I miss him, too. I want to I want to survive the movie. Read. I just want to survive. the movie. I'm projecting. I want to survive. OK. You know, I want my kids to know <laughs> oh I love gosh. them, but I want to survive. Um, well, And that's
1: the thing is because she says to him. and And I think that's what's crucial about it is is she says to him what are we if we can't protect them what are what what good are we if we can't protect them and you know it's like i mentioned earlier he he witnesses their young son get taken and he puts on the brakes you know right and in that opening shot and i can foresee you know and i'm i'm trying to steer us into theme here i can yeah. foresee you know this this notion of he's he's been challenged, severely challenged by what his wife has said, his wife speculating that, you know, if she had only been carrying her son, if she had only been, you know, all of these what ifs, if she had only been carrying him, then maybe, you know, nothing would have nothing bad would have happened to him. And then she she makes the speculation. She said, what what are we if we can't protect them? She says, promise me that you will protect them. Right. And he's wounded. He's hurt. And so it's one of those things where he's he's witnessing he's looking at this thing trying to get into the truck after his, you know, two, two of only three remaining children. Um, And it could potentially get both of them right there in that moment. Um, So I can foresee him going like "I I am going to give everything I have left to give to literally everything that I have left to give. To give them a shot at getting away. Because sure. What am yeah. I if I can't protect them? And and uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I wanted him to survive, too. But I, I I think that's something that the film is really dealing with on a larger scale about this idea of, you know, there's all kinds. Of, I was surprised to find out how many political and social interpretations people have brought to this to this film. There's tons of things that people have said about like, oh, is it a metaphor for a society in which you can't use your voice? Is it? And I'm like, oh, my, or where you're like hunted down for speaking your voice, and and uh, you know all kinds of things. Uh, They've of course engaged, which I kind of quasi did myself, engaged the idea of like a pro life sentiment because they're bringing a baby into this, you know, this one scenario that they can't possibly, uh, you know, logically justify bringing a baby into. But I think to me the thing that really stood out. Is these depths that we'll go to to try to keep our worlds safe and to try to keep our, our children and our families safe and how much is so completely out of control. And so m- how much is is out of your hands in terms of keeping them safe, keeping them happy, keeping them whole, uh, trying to do what's right for them, trying to do what's good for them like it's that's so much of what resonated to me about the film is that whole notion of just doing everything you possibly can to see your children safe and to see your, your family survive whatever apocalypse is going through. And, um, it was just, it was really potent and it was really, um, moving and challenging and heartbreaking and inspiring and all these other sort of ing words that, that, uh, that I could hurl at it to think about those kinds of things.
0: Well, and, and I, I am a, a, um, Strident respecter of the don't have your phone out in the theater uh, rules, but that line, who are we if we can't protect them? The moment I think she says it for. Yeah, she's the maybe she's the only one who says it. it. Oh, yeah. 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 She's the only one who says it. I took my phone out and I was like, that's it. That is the everything of this movie. You know, who are we if we can't protect them? And and it's funny you referenced the pro life thing and the the um, you know using your voice kind of thing. I'd actually seen I wasn't gonna bring it up, but but you mentioned that. I'd seen like a you know, oh, this is pro two a thing. I'm like, come on, y'all, like just can a story just be a story. Pro two A thing? Second Amendment. Oh, 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 that thing. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Um and you know, I don't totally know where I'm going to go with this sentence, but I think you just really imbued about 15 minutes ago, this idea that, you know, what, what I actually, what I wrote down and, and, and I don't know what you might have remaining, uh, other than response. I don't know. But the sentence I wrote is you have to have babies in an apocalypse. Hmm. And, and I don't know that that means literal babies, um, So I, I don't know that I'm like the person who's like, yes, this is a pro-life movie about when the stuff's hitting the fan, you just got to keep on keep having the baby. I don't I don't know that I would intend that sentence literally, though. I don't know that I wouldn't either. I think what I would say that I think is so powerful about this movie and a baby is an iconic emblem of that powerful thing is hope in the midst of great suffering loss and devastation. Yeah, oh indeed. You know, indeed. and and I think that's a really powerful and and maybe why people are so responding or responding so strongly to this particular movie. You know, why why would you have a baby in these sorts of circumstances? Well, yeah, sure, that's a legitimate question. But we can also track the arc of the movie and recognize these are very responsible people who have worked tirelessly to build a soundproof bunker in the bottom of their home yeah. specifically oh, yeah. for the purposes of being able to bring a baby into this devastated world. And I think yeah, maybe even further than you have to have babies in the apocalypse is you have to figure out how to friggin' protect the babies in the middle of the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. I, I mean, follow these tendrils wherever you want. Like the people, these, if these characters who had, in the face of losing that child, just thrown in the towel and just let the monsters come. What a terrible, that's not, that is a story that provides some interesting conversation at some point in our world. It is not the story of a person of faith, Mm, mm -hmm. right? The story of a person of faith is to say, it's all gone to hell. I'm still going to figure out a way to bring the kingdom right here. Yeah, you know, oh, absolutely. and I think that's just a really powerful beautiful statement that regardless, well, I think regardless of my misgivings about dad's absence.
1: <laughs> well, and well, and I th- I think of two things. First of all, you and I are both uh rabid rabid fans of the film children of Men. Sure, which I think oh. says
0: a similar thing. About I thought it, but being... I wasn't gonna invoke it because I know I beat that drum a lot, but you go right ahead. you' go right well, ahead. I'm happy no, to no, respond no. I mean, to like it. yeah,
1: of course. but the other thing is there's a direct line, um so there's the whole film children of men. If you haven't seen children of Men, go see children of men because it's amazing and I wonder in a wonderful film and I love it. Um, but uh, there's also the line in the first season, I think it's like episode three uh of the the new version of Battlestar Galactica, the most recent version of Battlestar Galactica, where um, you know, they're talking about, you know, they're trying to survive, the Cylons are taking over, they're running on this uh mission trying to find new Earth and 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 all or find Earth and all of these kinds of things. But I remember uh Captain Adama says at one point to someone, uh, th- I think it's Captain Adama who says this line. He says uh, you know talking about the the low morale on the ship and how everybody is hopeless and then he looks around and he says people got to start having babies yeah, and he's talking about that, yeah. he's talking about r- relationship sure, but sure. in general it's like there's 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 something that needs to to come from this and i think there's a very real very spiritual very deeply rooted in the human psyche an understanding of the hopefulness that a baby brings to uh to everything to the possibility but like you said It is also the pending question of, well, can we protect them when they arrive? Can we? And that's one of the things that I think every parent, every, you know, thoughtful, reflective parent uh, probably goes through at some point. Uh, Maybe there's some out there who already know they're going to be amazing moms and dads. But there's there's the time where you come and you say, like, am I going to screw up this kid? Because am I, and I'm not even talking about like external threats, which I'll get to in a second, but like, am I gonna, am I gonna be a bad dad? Right. Am I gonna be a bad mom? Am I gonna be the one who, when he or she needs me so desperately to be one thing, am not gonna read the signs, am not gonna understand where, what's next, and am I gonna just swerve left when I should have stayed the course or turned right, and... And that's the fear. That's the dread. Am I going to be am I going to be responsible for my child as an adult having to take years and years of therapy or go off and do some horrible thing because I because I wasn't enough? And and even more so than that, it's like you think about all of the tragedies that take place in the world and how ugly and awful the world can be. And it's like I can't I can't protect them from all of that. I cannot protect them from from everything. And one of the reasons why I'm seriously not combating or casting down your your observation here. I'm just saying one of the reasons why, you know, Krasinski's, you know, death scene, even though I do love the idea of a world of a other world version in which he survives, is his death scene is he's he's standing there and he's like, I cannot fix everything. I cannot control everything. But I can do two things in this moment. I can let her know that i love her and i can give them a chance to get away right and right. in that moment that's that's enough and sometimes as a parent that's all you've got yeah. sometimes all you've got is i don't know if this is going to be right i don't know if this is going to be good i don't know if it's going to work or if it's going to be helpful but all i can do is let them know i love them and give them a chance mm to get out of this situation or give them a chance to do to do something different or to escape or to something and and that to me it, again it just it still rattles around in my heart as a deeply profound deeply perilous kind of journey you know we talked extensively in our episode a couple of years ago now at this point about witches about the comic uh right. by Scott Snyder witches You know, talking about that line where he said, you know, don't ever have them because it's like an organ just leaped out of your body and is walking around and just, you know, I I think I read somewhere else where they say, you know, parenting is signing up to just being terrified for the rest of your life all the time. That's all that's all it is. And I, I do think there's some legitimacy to that, but I think that's one of the things that that I do find like let's think about this. Let's explore this for a second. The reason why he doesn't want her to go on these excursions. This is implied. This is this is what I get from the film because it's not directly stated. The reason why he doesn't want his deaf daughter to go on these excursions is because she can't hear if she accidentally cracks a twig or makes a noise or something. like, She can't hear. She's not equipped to hear if she needs to divert or hide or something like that. She is, uh, in this world, completely uh, blind, even though deaf is her impairment. She's unable to navigate this because she can't Look out quote unquote for sound sure and one of the reasons why he's so desperately trying to get a hearing aid that works is so she can is so it's 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 for her survival now that's my reading on what he's doing for her it's not pure benevolence that he just wants her to be able to hear although I'm sure that's an element Um, it's that he wants her to have a shot at survival right that's what he wants for her and and little does he know man (laughs) like little does he know that all of his efforts all of his failed efforts um, are actually what gives her and and their whole family a shot at survival. Sure. And what a what a beautiful and powerful thought to think that even the times that we would look at uh, and I speak this to every uh, mother and father out there listening to it. I speak it to you. I speak it to myself as much as anything else um, that with the grace of God. All of our failed attempts, all of the attempts that we look at and we go, "Well, I screwed that up. I I shot that up. You know, I didn't do well there." Who knows? But what somewhere down the line, if they know we love them and we and they know that that we're trying to give them a shot at things, but what we may be planting seeds or or laying the groundwork for them to have a path out, for them to have a sure, path forward, sure. and that's a that's a beautifully hopeful notion to me to think that yeah like, yeah all of those screwed up hearing aids all of those hearing aids that didn't work that he didn't give her that is ultimately what you know combined with emily blunt's you know cracking the shotgun that's what's going to give them the edge over these creatures and i'm just like that's that's powerful that was his gift to them is he through all of what he that's my statement through all of what he died believing were failures he gave his family the chance they needed to survive and i find that powerful. yeah i find that beautiful um Yeah. A quiet place. (laughs) 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 I have one more thing that I want to say. We need we need need to wind down. But um, I think there's a notion that every parent wrestles with and struggles with. And I think there's something that we you know, it it is a valid as a legitimate question. I think you and I have both uh, recited it rather dismissively. But it is a valid question. Why would you bring a child into this scenario? Why would you bring a child into this situation? Why would you bring a child into this world? Why would you do that? Um, why would you bring in a child into this world when they're you know, going to have no shot at life when they're going to, you know, going to have a deficient station? All these what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. And I think there is something of the nature of trust at the root of that question, specifically the question of like, can we as parents be trusted? Sure. Can we be trusted? Uh, you said, again, going back to the, it's funny that this is coming up so much, going back to the Witches episode, to quote Mr. Nathan Rouse, you said, the danger with children is that they trust you. Yeah. They do trust you. And so you have to be a good steward of that trust. Right. To a certain degree. And each and every human being on the planet knows, like, I'm a screw up in a lot of ways. Like, I am many in many ways not trustworthy. And I think getting to something very deliberately spiritual. That question is frequently asked. I think one of the main reasons why people find faith difficult is because I think it's a question that we ask of ourselves and that we ask that the the world asks of us is, can your God be trusted? Not Don't even bother with whether or not he exists. Like, can he be trusted? Have you seen sure. how many things there are in the world that can kill you? Have you seen how many things there are in the world that want to kill you and that, you know, all of these different, you know, disparate things? Can your God be trusted, and I think that's one thing that I struggle with a lot because when we wrestle with things in our household, when we have some conflicts or some difficulties, I'm constantly at war between the camp that says God is trustworthy, God will will take care of us, God will be there for us, God will be in the midst of it, and the other side that's like, eh, but what if he doesn't? But what if he but what if he isn't, you know, there's plenty of stories out there. There's a mountain of stories out there that didn't quite go the happy ending route that that we would so long to believe that all of them do or would. And uh, uh, before I invite some thoughts from you, I just want to go ahead and Bring in the scripture that I had in notion for this is uh, speaking of this this notion of trust and this notion of fighting for us and you know doing all he can for us. I thought of Exodus chapter fourteen, which is when the people of Israel had already escaped uh, slavery in Egypt, but they were stuck uh, between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. And this is what Moses said to the people before raising his staff and parting the Red Sea uh, in Exodus chapter fourteen and verse thirteen. It says, Moses answered the people. Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Verse 14 says, The Lord will fight for you. You need only be silent. And one of the things that I was thinking about when I was thinking about this movie, obviously the connection to being silent and being still, but also this notion of I love the phrasing in that passage of scripture where it says, The Egyptians you see here today, you will never see again. It doesn't say in that passage of scripture, you'll never see trouble again. Sure. sure. You'll never see problems again. And I think that there is a hopefulness. I'll say this as briefly as I can, and then I'll invite your response and we'll wind down. I think there is a hopefulness to recognizing like, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to be enough for the long haul. Maybe. And this is again, getting back to this Krasinski moment. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not going to be enough to protect them forever. I can't be enough to protect them forever. I can't be enough to guide them forever. I can't get every statement right. I can't get every moment right. But if I have the courage and the strength and the faith and the hope, maybe I can be enough for right now. Maybe I can be enough for this moment. And maybe the monsters, the scary things, the Egyptians that we see right here, right now... We will, not, we will not see again. Maybe this problem right here, I can be enough for this. And I think sometimes the only faith and trust that we have in the Lord and the only faith and trust we can have in ourselves is simply saying, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen five years from now. I don't know what's going to happen 10 years from now. I don't know if there are more monsters out there. I don't know how many of them there are or if we'll ever beat them. But if you can be here in this moment and if you can be enough in this moment, maybe that will maybe that will win it maybe that will get it through just maybe all we need is faith enough for this one moment maybe not for the long haul but just enough for tomorrow or just enough god bless us for today um so anyway those are i think i think i've spent my thoughts on quiet place. <laughs> for the moment for the moment
0: you, you know what's funny is i remember thinking about the movie before i knew what the end was and i was like wow this is a really interesting sort of meditation on stillness and solitude <laughs> and establishing sort of a, a, a peaceful, a, a tranquil kind of quietude about us. And then I'm like, Oh, but the movie ends suggesting that it's all noise. It's going to save us, you know, I was <laughs> like, Oh, well, okay, maybe not, but I right can still roll with it. Yeah. 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 Just the right <laughs> frequency of noise. Um, you know, I think you, 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 you laid a pretty firm foundation there with, uh, your rather erudite treatment of 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 the conversation just a second ago of whether it's the the Moses story on through the the recognition of a of a present moment, you know, as a parent and and as one who probably screws up a lot more than I'm willing to cop to, I think I think there's so much. I think there's so much grace in the sort of lilies of the field idea, you know, that mm. I, I work in a sales environment and a sales environment, the language of goals is talked about constantly. Yeah. And I, I think, I think the language of goals is a, is a positive, is a positive language for a production based economy. Mm. But there is a point where, a kingdom-based economy that says you really don't know. Yeah, right, right. What, what, not, let's not even bother with 10 years from now. Mm. You don't know. I, Read. I, I was taking my three children all under the age of 10 in the car on a very rainy evening through the streets of Charlotte, and I had a destination and the GPS, and I came upon a terrible wreck. mm tonight and 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 you do your best to help to try to obscure the imagery from your kids right and and divert the path but and i wasn't present when it happened Mm -hmm. i i I, it had probably been like a minute earlier like the ambulance was not there yet or anything traffic had begun to build and i diverted us down another path and and those moments are so sobering because you're like You, you want to turn around and tell that car full of kids, say, I love you, and I'm going to do everything I can to give you a shot. Yes. But that's really all. That's really all I got. That's, that's, that is that yeah, is about yeah. the sum of my contribution to your life. Yes. And and you, you it's very possible you'll end up in therapy one day and a lot of it will be about me. Yeah, but right, I think right. I, I think uh, uh, what I would try to instill now and what a what a therapist worth their money kid would tell you <laughs> is the implication there get a being get a therapist worth their money, but um, <laughs> exactly. uh, you know, is we we do what we can and what we know with the resources we have, and it is a fool's errand to try to expect of oneself an utterly distilled purity of heart. Mm. You know, it's mm-hmm. just you're not you're not, mm-hmm. not going to be there. Yeah, but as Eugene Peterson coins, it's, it's that long obedience in the same direction. Yes, you know, it's that, yes, it's that constant reminder to your children. I love you. I've always loved you. This little thing I'm doing right now is purely just to, just to buy you some more time and to give you another shot and to, 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 to let you know that in the middle of apocalypse, it's okay to have hope. Yes. And it's yes. okay to, to, to laugh. Mm-hmm. It, it's definitely, it's definitely okay to cry. And it's mm-hmm. so definitely okay to be sad, but our, our hope is not drawn off of circumstance and right. is not drawn off of, uh, what we see and what we can touch mm-hmm. and especially what we can hear even. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, you know, and so it, it is that calling that some may call foolish and that's okay. Um, it's, uh, you know, scripture itself sort of invokes that language a bit, the foolishness of what we, our faith in but yeah you know i i, I don't know that that's is a long-winded sort of way of just sort of affirming what you are scratching after that you aren't going to be able to right all the wrongs mend all the bruises right right you know s- scare off all the monsters yeah you <laughs> you're can't. just not yeah and and you may lose your life in the attempt but the loss of that life is going to be the present reminder to them that you are and always have loved them. Yes, yes. On that note, Reed Lackey, shall we shall we it's a good thing david pumpkins doesn't go to the theater he'd probably be very disruptive during a quiet place <laughs> yeah any questions so let's let, let's 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 bring in old david pumpkins um let's do it so if you're new to this episode one it's this is kind of a long one i apologize but if you're new that's probably because you came on the forest bandwagon and that was a two-hour episode so yeah so there um it is. you know this is actually <laughs> kind of short to you maybe um <laughs> Every episode where we cover a particular feature film, generally speaking, um, we we end up rating it on a scale of David S. Pumpkins, um, the infamous Tom Hanks SNL Halloween character. Um, we rank these in a category of style, scares, and substance on the subject of style read. This is a five. I mean, yeah. I yeah. can't... It has been... A, like. I am predisposed to the MCU type stuff, you know, to, sure, to have some sure. to have some exhilaration on those things, and, and it, it, it there, there remains the possibility that repeat viewings of a quiet place might yield diminishing returns, and I can understand that. But for a property out of nowhere that really had little sort of built up cash, cachet. How do we say that word? Cachet. You know, I mean, sort, know. sort of, sort of predisposition towards expectation that was a hell of a ride in a movie theater oh yes it. oh yes absolutely uh five for
1: me as well i don't i don't even need to qualify it i loved this film um i thought this was special i'm gonna revisit it i'm gonna own it i'm gonna watch it probably every halloween and anytime that i need a good shot in the arm uh to remind myself of hopefulness in an apocalyptic wasteland so yes uh five for me
0: what about uh what about scares for you uh 23
1: because that's (laughs) wow no sincerely i don't know that you've ever attempted to break the scale (laughs) no no sincerely uh this is a solid five for me for scares because some of the i mean the the concept is so tense and they had some phenomenal scares just uh in the in the sequence of the film i cannot remember uh a time when i was more just nerve-wracked in the theater than the the water flooding into their little underground bunker and with the with the baby and i was just oh my gosh yeah just and but then that's also the the bathtub scene and uh you know the daughter wandering out in the middle of uh of the you know woods and and just every shoot every five minutes of the movie it was terrifying yes five for me for scares
0: you know, I, I wasn't totally confident. I was gonna. I was sort of joking at the top of the episode of Fives on the Line, but we may land there. I mean, when this movie opens with that child's loss and the mm. bar all of a sudden goes to eleven, and you're like, "Oh my god, wait a minute, what did I just buy a ticket to?" And it does not really slow down or let off the gas nope. and. Nope. And takes the turns sharply and deftly. And there's nails through the feet. And there's bloodied bathtubs. Uh, yes. And 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 restrained screams that cannot be held any longer. Uh, and fireworks going off. Like I. I, I had as strong a physical reaction to this movie as one I can think of in, in a very long time. I'm giving it a five for scares. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, may, maybe I'd name it thrills, but they, they kind of fit the same bucket. Yeah, um, as I far as, as far as substance goes, um, I, I just feel so generous of spirit, even with my things that I might quibble on. Um, I think sort of our conversation has lent some um, a refined... Look at at even those elements. It's hard not to want to give it a five. So I'm going to give it a five. Read.
1: Yeah, I'm giving it a five. I'm giving it fives down the line. I'm getting. I like. This is a wonderful movie. This is a wonderful movie. This is is, this is, is I think only the the third time that we have officially given on the fear of God a solid. Ten out of ten David S. Pumpkins to a film. I think the first And so
0: listeners know we don't pre-brief these numbers. This no, is no, no, all no, of
1: no, the, no, no, no. I don't know if you write them down before in minor of the moment. Usually minor of the moment uh, because they're usually yeah. I want them to be informed by the conversation because they may have shifted yeah. by the conversation. Right. Um, so yeah, this is this is only the third time that we've done. I mean, we've given a few nines and a few 9.5s, but uh, but ten out of ten has only gone to Alien and seven, and then now. A quiet place so that's it's in good company what it takes,
0: do you know it takes shelter I have to look
1: uh it. i think take I shelter uh, i think take yeah. shelter might have gotten a nine maybe a 9.5 i can't remember it was high it wasn't a solid regardless 10, but yeah, yeah yeah but uh but well, yeah oh man well
0: reed thank you thank oh, you i'm man. glad we got to sort of live text each other during <laughs> it, what's so funny about that day is you know, of course, texting you in the middle of a, a movie theater during a quiet place and then watching the clock because I knew what time you were going to the movie. Yes. And we're three yes. hours difference. And I remember I'm like, all right. Probably in the next 15 minutes he's, I'm going to hear from <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> that's, that's awesome That's awesome Well, Nathan, thank mm.
1: you so much For having this conversation with me And uh, listeners, thank you as always For uh, tuning in And uh, you've been so generous And gracious in your comments And your feedback uh, We would love to hear from you On this on this episode uh, Some of the stuff we brought up Some of your specific thoughts about it um, So, yeah, send us an email Send us uh, a, a comment on Facebook uh, You can listen at the uh, during the credits To find out exactly how to get in touch with us and uh yeah nathan thanks again
0: no problem man we'll see you guys next week have a good one bye guys Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. To continue this conversation, you can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God. Visit us on Facebook to comment on one of our posts or to post there yourself. You can follow Reed on Twitter at Reed Lackey. You can follow Nathan on Twitter at TheNathanRouse. Visit morethanonelesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the official episode posts. Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or a review. Thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.